Hello, I'm your host, Laura Ambler. Welcome to the Creating Your Community Podcast 2021 edition. Every day, I read articles and see posts about increased loneliness, depression, and anxiety. People are feeling cut off and isolated, even though social media is busier than ever. My friends tell me they want to build connection, especially during this time of COVID-19, but they don't know how. This is where I hope this podcast can help. Last year, I was inspired to make this podcast a daily event. Because of feedback from you, I've decided to continue my daily musings on how to build a new relationship with yourself and those around you. I'll share fun facts, ideas for self-care, and other morsels of good stuff I've discovered. Let's make 2021 a year of inner exploration and connection with the world around us. So, do you have trouble meditating? Find all those thoughts racing through your head intrusive where you look at the dishes and go, I have to do the dishes, I don't have time to meditate. Well, then this interview is for you because there are other ways to be mindful besides meditation. And Angie Bailey has a really fun option. Hey, Angie, how you doing? Hi, Laura. I'm well. How are you? Doing great. It's snowy here. Is it snowy where you are? There's snow on the ground, but it hasn't snowed uh, for a few days now, but it's a gorgeous sunny day here. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your life. What's led you to where you are today? Well, um, I am a wife and a mom of two adult boys, and I am a registered nurse. I've worked in the operating room for over 30 years. Sounds crazy, but uh, (laughs) yeah. So um, I'm busy. And uh, although my boys are more independent now, life is busy as a nurse. And of course, with COVID and everything, it's even more so, right? And stressful, (laughs) of course. How, how did you become a nurse? Well, that's a funny story. So um, when I was in high school, um, I, it was time for me to decide what to do. And I've, I was always a creative kid. And throughout high school as well, I was in, involved in plays and art and music and so many of those creative things that nursing wasn't even on my radar. And we don't even have any medical people in my family I'm the I'm the first and the last at this point (laughs) but yeah but um so I really wanted to be an artist of some kind either performing arts or um fine arts or something like that I even actually the thing that I had decided upon was graphic arts and uh, when it came time to apply for schools to go to colleges um I was just ready to applied to this school that had all of these arts encompassed in it like it's just an amazing place called Sheridan and uh when I was about to do that my mom said oh 
do you really think you're good enough? Mm. And my, yeah. And my dad said to me, oh, so you want to be a starving artist? Uh. And, you know, those two comments stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was really, I guess, not a, uh, not so confident within myself that I kind of, you know, stepped back and I thought, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. And, and I really valued my dad's opinion, especially. And if, you know, if he's saying this to me, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe this is not the right path for me. But so, so my mom then said, you know, why don't you apply to nursing school? And I thought, nursing school, like, where is this coming from? We had never even talked about that sort of thing. And she, and then she said to me, you know, your sister wanted to, your sister applied to nursing school, uh, but she didn't get in. So I sat, yeah, so I sat back and this sister, you know, this is my eldest sister, the cool one and everything. And I thought, well, if she's so cool and she wanted to be a nurse, well, you know what, maybe, maybe I should apply. But in the back of my head, I said to myself, well, you know, I started filling out the application. And part of the application was you needed to have chemistry as uh, one of the prerequisites. And I did not have chemistry. So I thought, you know what, I'll apply to nursing school, make my mom happy by doing this, but I will not get accepted. And then I'll go off to art school. (laughs) Yeah, well, guess what happened, Laura? I ended up getting accepted to nursing. So it's it's crazy because it's it's one of the most recognized schools in my province of Ontario, Canada. And if if you applied for a job anywhere, if you were a graduate from Mohawk College, you would get accepted. You know, you'd be hired on the spot. And I thought, why? How is this place accepting me as a student when I don't even have chemistry so I thought oh man so lo and behold I went to nursing school isn't that crazy that's crazy yeah so (laughs) so I know so I went to nursing school and I really did not like nursing school at all like the whole theory part of it sitting down and learning all that it was a completely foreign language to me and and I thought what the heck am I doing here But then when we would do things like all of the practical work, which we did very early on at that school, and that's why that school was very recognized within the province, because they knew that the nurses that graduated from there were very hands-on and could do the actual job, right? So I was always very good at that part. So we, we had this lab that we would go to, and we had like these mannequins that we would work on, or sometimes we would do on each other depending on what the skill was right so when we would get to that part of of class um the teacher would show the skill that we needed to learn and I was always the first one to put up my hand because I just wanted to get it over with so I put up my hand say yeah I'll do it first you know they'd say okay who's gonna who's gonna do it now after the demonstration so I'd say I'll do it and I would do it. It was fresh in my head. And every time, of course, the teacher would say, that's perfect. Okay, now everybody do it like Angie did. And, <laughs> and, that, and that happened for three years of nursing school. And I excelled at that part of it. Like I would get 90s in that part of the course, all the practical. Whereas for the theory part, we needed to get a 70 and I would get in the 70s, right? <laughs> so, so I thought to myself, well, I, you know, I am good at this practical part of things and I am a caring person, 
but just the three years of the theory, like they were grueling. And I'd come home, not very happy. And, and my dad would say, you know what, just finish these three years, get your nursing registration, and then go on and do what you want to do. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll do that. I'll, I'll make them happy. I'll finish this. I'll become a registered oh, what nurse. What we do to make other people happy, huh? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so I, I know it's sad, but so so I did it. But then lo and behold, the last seven weeks, the final seven weeks of my nursing school, I got to work in the operating room. And when I stepped into the my first OR, it was like the lights came on and I thought, wow, this is someplace where I can work. I, I would, I think that I'm going to like working in the OR. So I finished my seven weeks and then the hospital that I was working at, they hired me on the spot. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I guess maybe this is meant to be right. So I took the job. I, you know, maybe if I did not like it, and they hired and they, you know, went to hire me, I'd say, thank you very much, but I'll think about it. And then I would have dropped it completely and gone to art school. But I really liked the, for the first time, it was something that I liked in those whole three years. So I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try it. And so I did. And, and I really did enjoy it. My very first job in, was in Toronto and it was like, just incredible. I loved it. I learned so much. And so now I've been doing this for 30 years and off and on in these 30 years, of course, like I loved it at the beginning. Then, you know, at a certain point I was like, yeah, I think I'm kind of done with this now. But then instead of quitting completely, I would just move to another hospital where there was something new to learn. So always in the operating room, but you know, so then I moved back to Hamilton after three years at the Wellesley in Toronto. And then I worked at this hospital that was, you know, big for open heart surgery, which I had never done. And I thought, oh, you know what, let's try that. So it was new and exciting. And I really liked it. And after a few years, I kind of got bored with that. So then I moved to a pediatric hospital and learned all of those things. And it just kept going like that for 30 years. And wow. here I am today. <laughs> and and honestly, honestly, Laura, there were many times where over those years that I was, I was burnt out. And then, and that's actually the point where I would move hospitals and then I get this new look on life and, and then I get burnt. I don't know how many times I was burnt out over the years. And every time where I thought after that first time that I switched hospitals, I was still young and could have quit at that point, but I was trying this new surgery and I really enjoyed it. But then, you know, then I got married, had kids. And then all the times where I was like, where I really needed to quit, I didn't because, you know, my income was relied upon. I had a young family and we needed this stability. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so I kept on and here I am still doing it today. <laughs> <laughs> but good at it which is the most important thing for your patients. Yes, um, it's, it's true. And it's amazing how you can be good at something that you don't love. And I heard somebody say once, if you're this good at something that you're not passionate about, could you imagine how good you would be at something you loved? 
So how did you find that something you loved? How did you find calligraphy? Well, uh, actually, when I was a kid, I was about 10 years old, and I was this hyperactive kid, right? Running around the house like the third of three girls. We had uh, my grandmother living with us, my parents, and my two older sisters. And here I am. And I was like the tornado of the house. Everybody else was calm, <laughs> doing their thing. Yeah. And I'd get into everybody's hair. Like I was just hyperactive. I'm sure I had ADHD. But back in the day, we did not, they did not diagnose that, right? But lo and behold, uh, when I turned 10, my sisters bought me this little calligraphy kit. It was the same thing that, you know, a, a very similar version is still sold today that you can find at any of these big box stores. So they bought me this little kit that had all the things that I needed and a little instruction booklet. And I kind of read the instruction booklet and did what it had to say. And lo and behold, I would sit there for hours <laughs> teaching myself calligraphy and just doing this every day. I loved it. And, you know, to everybody's amazement, I didn't realize it myself, but to everybody's amazement, they were like, wow, like, look at her. Like, she's actually sitting down, <laughs> you know, problem solved. Like, even, <laughs> even at dinner time, Laura, even at dinner time, like, I love food. We would sit there and I would just gulp it down so quickly so that I can go and, and do something else. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because I was so active. But when I would sit there, do calligraphy, like I, I would sit there for for a long time. And it amazed everybody, really. <laughs> so you kept on for the calligraphy for a while, but then what yeah. stopped you? So, yeah, I kept on for a while. And then I went to nursing school and a couple of my colleagues were getting married. So I um, I would do wedding invites. So one of the girls said, hey, will you do my wedding invitation? So I did. And then I would do my cousin's wedding invitations, then my sister's, and then and then it, I did my own invitations. It was time for me. I was 29. I got married. I did my own wedding invitations. And so I was working full time. I got married. And that was the last time that I practiced calligraphy because I was working. And then, you know, of course, I'm not living at home where my mom would cook all the meals. Did you know what I mean? So <laughs> I had to, you know, be a grown up and I had to do these things for myself. And so little by little, that part of, you know, my creativity was kind of pushed to the back. And then, of course, shortly after getting married, I ended up having, you know, two, two little kids, like 16 months apart. So at that point, it was like, yeah, there was no time at all for me, for my creative self-care. So it was stuffed in the back of the closet and uh, did not appear till decades later. <laughs> so what, what did bring you back to calligraphy? Well, um, so here I am with this busy young family working very hard at the hospital. And uh, still, I had a lot of energy. But one day, it hit me. I came home from work, I lied down on the couch, and like this was so unlike me, like I always had energy till bedtime, but I came home one day from work, I said, well, I first thought, I'm just going to sit down here for a minute, I'm really tired, and then I lied down, and I fell asleep, and then my husband came home from work, and, and typically I'd already would have started dinner, right, starting to prep it, but 
you know, he got home and he's like looking for me and he's calling for me and he sees me on the couch and he says like, what's going on? Oh, I'm really tired. He's like, okay, you know, I'll cook dinner. So cooks the dinner, <laughs> comes back, tries to wake me up. I'm not waking up. And mm. then, yep. And he's like, come on, like dinner, you know, dinner, like my favorite part of the day. Like I love food. Right. But would not wake up. And then I'd say, no, you know what? I just need to sleep. Please just, just let me rest. And then he come and wake me up at 11 PM and say, it's 11 PM. It's time for bed. And I would walk upstairs, I'd go to bed and I'd sleep solidly. And then I'd wake up to go to work and the same, the cycle happened like this for months, like just out of the blue, one day, all this energy, boom, the next day, none. Wow. Yeah, it was scary. And you know what the funny thing is? I didn't eat dinner for, for months yet. Like uh, my weight just shot up. (laughs) Oh, weird. (laughs) Which was very bizarre, right? Yeah. So, um. You know, I'd be reading up on it, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And, uh, you know, my dad had a, a thyroid condition, I remember, and he's passed away. But I remember he had a thyroid condition. Then my mom's mom had a thyroid condition. I started looking up all the symptoms and lo and behold, I had them all. So mm. I went to my general practitioner, my family doctor, and brought him this checklist with all of the symptoms. And I had like, and there are so many symptoms, I had like, practically everyone. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, Oh, you know, I think you're depressed. I said, Yeah, right here, depression, one of the symptoms. And he's like, you know what, take this antidepressant and go home. Uh, uh. Right. And and so and so I thought, Okay, whatever, you know, I'll try that. Right. So I tried that, but, you know, maybe, maybe it was a little happier, but I still had all these other (laughs) symptoms. So I went back to him several times, but he was not listening to me. So I did all my research and I thought, yeah, I've got, I have thyroid disease and a low thyroid. And specifically, I'm pretty sure I have this Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is a chronic autoimmune condition. And so I discovered this in 2014. I found myself a functional medicine doctor who I know they specialize in these sorts of things because uh, like the general practitioners have not really changed the way they look at thyroid disease, have not changed it since like, I don't know, hundreds of years. So I found these functional medicine doctors. I went to see them and I said, I'm pretty sure I have this. And sure enough, they took all of the tests they needed to. And they said, oh, yeah, you have this. So they said to me, they were wonderful. They said to me, okay, you need to make some major changes in your life. Um, You need to cut out gluten, corn, soy, dairy. And it was even stricter than that. Like all of the inflammatory foods, like no beans, no nuts, no seeds, like even things that are very healthy things. You need to cut them out for a time period to decrease the inflammation in your body. And you need to start doing things that will help you get into a a more relaxed state. So practice yoga, practice meditation, and, you know, like decrease the stress in your life. And I was like, well, you know, I have this very stressful job, but that's really not not an option for me. I can't quit this job because I need this income. So I did all the other things that they told me to do. 
and my health started to improve after a month or two. And then after about four months, you know, I'm, I'm definitely feeling better, but I still nowhere compared to the day before I hit the couch. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, okay, you know, and the worst of the symptoms for me was brain fog. It was frightening (laughs) and it was frightening, especially, you know, fine at home. Maybe I can't carry a conversation, but out with friends, I could not follow a conversation. So I was terrified at work that I was going to make a mistake. So in the OR, not something you want to do. Right. So, so all of my energy and focus went to those eight hours at my job. So that I would, you know, I was hyper focused so that I would not make a mistake. And it was super exhausting. So, you know, I went back to talk to them and they said, you know, you know, this job of yours, you really need to quit this job. And I said, I know it's not an option. Okay, let's look at other things. What else can help you reduce stress? Like, what did you like to do when you were a kid? And I said, well, you know, I remember when I was 10, I started with calligraphy and I really loved it and I did it for years, but you know what? I haven't, I haven't done it for a couple of decades. And they said, well, you know, go home and start doing that again. So I looked, I, I came home, I searched for all my calligraphy supplies. I couldn't find them. I thought, oh, they must be at my mother's house or something. I, I just couldn't find them. So I, I went to the store and bought a few things and I started with the calligraphy again. And, and they had said to me, you know, do this every day. So I was like, when am I going to find time to do this? But I thought, you know what? 10 minutes, I can do 10 minutes a day. So I'd get home from work. I'd sit down and I'd start to do calligraphy. And after about a week or two, my whole stress level just came down. I got back into this calm state. I wasn't in this like constant stressed out you know what I mean? Like even, mm-hmm. even for the littlest things, it would just shoot me over the top. Well, this brought me right down. And then I remembered, I thought, oh my gosh, when, you know, I actually called up my sister and I was with my sister and mother and I said, hey, I started calligraphy again. And they said, that's great. And I said, oh my gosh, you know how, how, how great I feel, how calm it's making me. And they said, well, hello. When we bought <laughs> when we bought you that thing when you were a kid, a hyper kid, you would sit there for hours like it 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 just it it made us all so happy because you weren't in our hair anymore because you were doing this. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I never made that connection until like decades later. And then I thought, wow, this is like I need to do this. This is my meditation. And so I've been practicing it ever since, since the fall time of 2014. So how did you come to the point where you realized you could help other people? Well, yeah. So when I realized I was doing it for myself and for a couple of years, and I thought, this is fantastic. And then, uh, you know, I would actually do it at work, too. On our whiteboard, we'd have to write down the next day's assignment. So I would do it in calligraphy. And then the girls would look and say, wow, that's that's nice. And I said, you know, I can show you too. And I thought, like, if it's helping me, it could help my coworkers. It could help anybody with stress, right? So I began to teach uh, workshops at the hospital and, you know, even here at Michael's. But I found that my colleagues really, really loved it. And then, you know, so for a couple of years, um, I became like the uh, one of the uh, wellness ambassadors at the hospital. 
where I would teach it there. And then even on my own, I would teach it outside of work. And, and people really loved it. Nurses, healthcare workers, and moms and anybody else who wanted to do it. But then when COVID hit, especially, um, that's when I started to practice like every day. It was like non-negotiable. I would do it because I was so stressed out. The wellness ambassador at the hospital or the um, wellness coordinator at the hospital contacted me and said, hey, you know, do you know what Zoom is? Do you think you can teach your calligraphy on Zoom? And I said, absolutely. So uh, in during the past year, I've taught it numerous times to hospital employees and like even hospital administrators and doctors and so many people are taking this course and they're loving it. And I'm getting so many testimonials from all of these people saying how much it has helped them, how much calm and focus it has brought to their lives. And I was like, wow, like who knew, right? Especially during COVID, people need this. Exactly. When did art and soul come about? Yes. Tell me me about that. Yes. So, um, so after practicing it, like from 2014 to 2017, in 2017, it was the year I was turning 50. So I decided at that point to say, okay, I'm going to start to offer this to people. I'm going to start a little side hustle here. And I named it Angie Bailey Art and Soul because you know, I feel that art and creativity is healing because it healed me and I believe that it can heal others. So I put this out to the world. Angie Bailey Art and Soul and I started taking people under my wing and started teaching people calligraphy and so many people were finding that it was working for them and it just so it's my mission now just to teach this to the world what a calming practice calligraphy can be and that you know infusing you know just 10 minutes a day of calligraphy or any kind of creative practice, how that can bring so much joy and um, intention and calm and relaxation into your life, especially and especially now, you know, during times of COVID, uh, people are really doing it more people that I taught in the past I get notes and letters from people emails saying you know that calligraphy you taught me way back I'm doing it all the time now because I remembered how good it made me feel and now I'm doing it more often and it just it just makes me feel so great because uh not only has it helped me but now it's helping other people and I took your workshop and yeah what I didn't realize was how easy it could be yes and you know what stops a lot of people from trying it is you know one thing that they think they're not creative they don't think that they're artists and first of all we were all born creative I truly believe that and I know you're a firm believer in that as well I am indeed as Picasso said and I I paraphrase all children are artists uh, but the trick is remembering that as we get older Yes. And I love that. I love that you teach that to people because I I firmly believe that too. And um, so I'm sorry, Laura, I can't remember where I was going with this. So it it helps a lot of people and you teach them how 
it's easy to be creative. Yes, yes. So yes, that's exactly what I teach. The fact that I am doing for myself, I am doing the calligraphy because of how it makes me feel. And so I'm doing it every day. And of course, I'm going to be improving because I'm doing it every day. That's how you get good at anything. So Mm -hmm. the reason I do it is because of how it makes me feel. But the side benefit is you end up learning this beautiful art form and it just gets better and better. So a lot of people are afraid to, to learn it because maybe their handwriting is messy and mine is like not very neat at all. In fact, you know, people would say my handwriting is messy and it certainly is. Uh, but yet my calligraphy is beautiful. My whole family have beautiful penmanship, but they won't even, I, I think it's the perfectionism. They've tried, you know, a couple of them have tried it and it doesn't look as nice as their handwriting. So they, they, they're like, no, I'm not doing this. You really need to have a beginner's mindset and do it for the whole process of the creation. And in time, of course, what you're doing is going to improve it's going to start to look beautiful I just had a student actually send me her work last night and the difference from the beginning of the workshop last Monday to yesterday is incredible in just that time in just that time and how long was that like 10 days 10 days yeah (laughs) crazy and it it is like as you teach it it is so easy oh thank you and it was so fun and relaxing. It does exactly what you said it does. That's so awesome. So you, you got that feeling yourself too. Yes. Yes, Love I did. It. I'm so happy. <laughs> I think you have found your calling. I think so too. And you know, it, it's funny because, because it's something that comes easy to me. You don't think, you, you don't realize that it is, um, you, you don't think it's important. You, I don't know. It's crazy. But I've had so many people after the workshop email me saying, oh, my gosh, like, I loved learning from you. Wow, this, this is your thing. And it just makes me feel so good because, you know, of course, we all have doubts, right, within mm-hmm. ourselves. And now that I'm hearing this, it's like, wow, it, it just makes me so happy that they're that they're getting the their own confidence in in this calligraphy practice and they're feeling all of the benefits from it and that what I am teaching them is resonating with so many people. It's just it's the best feeling in the world. It is indeed. <laughs> How can they find you? Well, people can find me on Instagram at Angie Bailey Art and Soul or at Facebook at the same name. But if you want to have some interaction, you can join the private Facebook group called Calming Calligraphy. I'd love to have you in there. And I'd also, love to be. Oh, I'm sorry, Laura. And, and my no, wife, that's... oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. I'm, I'm very excitable. Um, and my website is uh, www.angiebaileyartandsoul.com. That's great. Excitement is fabulous. Passion is wonderful. Yes. It's what, it's what gives us life. You're you're right about that. And I'm I'm so happy that at this stage in my life, you know, I'll be 54 in August, that at this stage in my life I've, you know, ignited this new passion and I just I I feel like I can be doing this for years now. 
for years to come. Yeah, exactly. Thank, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank and you. And sharing your gift with everybody who's listening. And I, I'm excited to continue on with the practice. Oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel great. Please, please uh, share, share your work with me. And, and thank you so much for allowing me to come on your podcast. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Have a fabulous day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Please join me tomorrow for creating your community. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening. And follow Creating Your Community on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Talk with you tomorrow.